Really, if I think about it, that was my first quote production. Yeah. Like that was me not even knowing what a producer did. I was pr I produced this event, but I was on a shoot and I thought this is the coolest thing ever. Was it ever a thought to become a stay-at-home mom? But I never anticipated to love my work so much. I wish that I could have forgiven myself yeah. a little bit and been a little easier on myself. But you're also the Energizer Bunny. You don't drink coffee <laughs> and you run on this raw, natural energy that I don't know why I didn't get any of that because I'm tired all the time. Hi, Julie. Hello. We're back. We are more than just a mother-daughter duo. We are best friends, business partners, dance partners, and more. Despite living on opposite sides of the country, we talk every single day. And we talk about it all. Work, life, social media, family, dreams, goals. Nothing is off the table. Truly. And we're inviting you to the chat. This is yours truly, a glimpse into what goes on behind the TikToks and inside our conversations together, even those extremely long tangents. And when you join the chat, you're not just a listener. You're officially part of the family. All right. Okay. So today, I'm nervous. today is the ultimate role reversal as our director and interviewer, Helen, is going to take the back seat as I lead an interview. We are going to learn about her journey, which started being a piano prod prodigy in the suburbs of Jersey. And now you are TikTok famous. So okay. let's get started. Okay. Let's when you were growing up, mm -hmm. what was your original dream job as a kid oh my gosh okay so when uh when i was younger there wasn't a lot of knowledge about the so many different career paths that there were i mean it was like teacher nurse you know you had mm -hmm. you know there just like you could be a salesperson my, i mean my mother sold tupperware did you know she worked in an office furniture showroom so there wasn't a lot of um knowledge that I had about creative careers. I didn't even know I was a creative person back then. I was just really good at math and I was really good at like, you know, teamwork and helping people in school. In high school, I was a mm -hmm. big, you know, helper when and I was, you know, I picked, I picked up math pretty quickly and I was always the one that was helping people. So I was like a little tutor sometimes. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that, but I was not the, the person I am now. I was more quiet. And I just thought I was like the smart one. And I just was a good student. And I followed direction. And I wanted to play piano so badly when I was younger. So I begged my parents for piano lessons. And then I ended up in a teach with a teacher that was a classical piano teacher. So not really where what I was initially looking for, but mm -hmm. took it on, learned how to play, they really uh, felt that I had talent. And I went to serious music lessons in the city, and then decided to actually take it on in college. And unfortunately, in college, I I realized how much that my personality didn't fit with that of a piano pianist, a concert pianist, because you really need to spend hours in practice rooms. And mm -hmm. that is not where I saw myself. So after two years in of taking music lessons in college, I knew that I had to make a change. Nice. You want to know what I did? What did you do? <laughs> I looked into other colleges so that I could figure out, is there some way I can salvage this music degree, but still use it towards something in business? Mm -hmm. And NYU offered a music business program. And I thought, this is perfect, because maybe I could work in a recording studio. Because the more I got to see that in college, in a music school proper, it was either you were going to be a a performer, a concert pianist or something, or you were going to be a music teacher. And when I took those classes, I thought, I don't, I'm not that interested in being a music teacher, so why am I doing this? Yeah. So I really had to make the change, and I found this program at NYU, and I just took the leap. I went there, I met with the director of the program and convinced him to take me in, and actually got a pretty hefty scholarship to go there because he was really impressed with me. And that's how I switched really from 
a music, heavy music directed career to something that was going to take me more into the music industry. Amazing. And do you remember anything about those college classes or that college experience going to NYU and I do. Yeah. So one of the things that I loved that I fir- did when I first got there was organize a sim- synthesizer symposium. <laughs> where I know. Did you know that? No. Oh, my God. Okay. We're going to learn something today. So he was, I had this idea and I said to him, you know, synthesizers were becoming a thing. And I was like, why don't we have an event where we invite people to show our students the synthesizers? <laughs> this oh my is God. so funny to what? call them synthesizers. And so I kind of coordinated this event. And Really, if I think about it, that was my first quote production. Yeah. Like that was me not even knowing what a producer did. I was pr- I produced this event yeah, for you event, really and, did. and I really did, and it kind of it showed me a whole new skill set about myself, about uh, as how I could plan something, organize something, communicate, you know, speak to these adults, you know, the much yeah. older people that ran these businesses and got them to come to our event, and I was almost like a salesperson. So it it fed a lot of my skill set that I mm-hmm. didn't even know that I had, and it was a lot of fun. That's crazy. Isn't I did not crazy? know that at all. That is like your first production. That was my first production. And so, I, yeah, that was long before I was producing. How did you even get into producing after that? Okay. So when I first thought I would come out of college and have like maybe work in a record company or something like that, that was my, I guess, mindset because that's what they were teaching us. The college classes were, you know, um, the business of music and how to run a recording studio. And it was those kind of classes, which was really cool. And that was the only thing I knew then. So when I, when I took a summer internship, I worked in the music department at Channel 13, WNET, and I worked in the music department there. I learned just the ins and outs of how music rights were done for shows and such. And it was just like a menial, you know, intern- internship job. But when I graduated, I the woman who I had interned with said, oh, my boyfriend runs a, vid- runs a video production company, and maybe you can intern for him for the summer while you're looking for a job. Hmm. So there was my first experience being in a production on on any kind of set, and it was a tennis thing. The guy was in, <laughs> it was sports, and we were shooting a tennis thing. I remember I got to take sneakers home after because they were giving away some of the sneakers. But I was on a shoot, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and I never even thought again about music, record company, anything. I was like, video production, that's where I should be. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for a full-time job. I found a job at an advertising agency. They needed a secretary that sounded close enough. It was a job was going to pay me. I was going to be <laughs> able to move out and live on my own, which was big, really important to me when I, was, when I came home from college. And so I uh, took the job as a secretary. And that's literally how I began my career, at an advertising agency, in the account manage depart- management department. And I spoke to my boss one day and said, I don't think I'm really a strategy person. I, I'm going to start looking for a job maybe more in the production arena. And he said, come with me, walked me into the creative director's office and said, you need, here's your new assistant, <laughs> literally. And that is who I worked for, the uh, creative director. And I started seeing what goes on behind the scenes in an advertising agency setting. And then you know the story, the, the baton twirling story. Which well, is why my, don't you tell us I'll the tell baton you. twirling story? <laughs> so I was outside, you know, being a secretary to creative director, still in a very startup position. Mm-hmm. And I heard them talking about a shoot that they were doing in Amsterdam. And they were going to be looking for a baton teacher to teach these little Dutch girls how to twirl batons. And I heard this and I thought, OK, I was a baton twirler in high school. Mm-hmm. I got this. I never taught batons before, but I can talk the talk, walk the walk. So <laughs> I, after the meeting, I said to him, you know, I'm a baton teacher. And I heard you talking about needing a baton teacher. And he was like, what? 
say what? And I brought my baton in the next day, proved to him that I could <laughs> twirl the baton. And he sent me to Amsterdam for seven days. And that was my first big shoot. That yeah. was a, you know, it was a big crew. It was tons of kids. And I got to teach them how to do a baton routine. And then I was on the set coaching them through the shoot. And I thought, this is where I need to be. I want to, I want to do this. And I thought, you know, he asked me if I wanted to, what role I wanted when I was up for a promotion. And he said, do you see yourself as like an assistant producer or would you rather move into the music department? Because he knew my music background. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think assistant producer sounds good. Yeah. I literally thought the title was better. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound nice. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, sounds and, I, and I liked being on the shoots and I figured if I'm assistant producer one day, maybe I could be an actual producer. Mm -hmm. And then it happened very quickly just due to circumstances where a producer was on a project and then she found out that she had to travel for six weeks to Toronto for the project and she was expecting a baby so she bailed out mm -hmm. and he said to me you're going and I said I don't even know how to be a producer and he said you're going to learn on the job oh my gosh and he sent me to Toronto for six weeks to do casting and to run the shoot it was incredible and I will give him credit you know rest in peace now but I will give him credit for having faith and taking a leap on someone that he trusted and knew would figure it out mm-hmm and that's how I really started producing. I figured it out on the job. Yeah. And as your career progressed mm -hmm. and you continued to be a producer and, you know, continued working, as you started to think about having kids and, mm. uh, I mean, you got married, you had, you started thinking about having kids. Was it ever a thought to become a stay-at-home mom? Was it ever a thought to mm. put your, not like put your career to the side, but... Was that ever a thought to you, considering you were quite young when you got yeah. pregnant? Yeah, I was 28 when Tommy was born. Yeah. And I had been producing and traveling a lot, which was mm -hmm. a huge part of my 20s. I was sent to Rome for commercials, Australia multiple times, Toronto multiple times, Vancouver, uh, God, Amsterdam again for mm -hmm. other shoots. So there was a lot of travel involved in those years from graduating, from starting that job in my 20s, my early 20s, up until getting married at 26 and then having Tommy at 28. So during all those travel times, I just embraced it. I loved making the most of those shoots as much as it was work, work, work. I always found time to enjoy where I was and make mm -hmm. sure. I mean, the same person I am now yeah, yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. I live in the moment and I embrace the moment. So if I had like an hour before something, I'm going to go for a run around the, the Sydney Opera House. Like I would find time to mm -hmm. enjoy the countries and the cities that I visited. And I am so grateful I did that because that was a big part of that fed me just how the traveling, you know, feeds you. It fed me in a certain way that was really important. So once I knew, okay, it's family and we're going to, I'm going to have, I'm having a baby and what am I going to do now? It's hard to think back to that, knowing that I was raised by a stay at home mom and I never knew anything else. So I always thought, whatever I do, once I have kids, you know, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. But I never anticipated to love my work so much. Mm -hmm. So I think that the difference between, I'm going to compare even to my mother, she didn't have a job career that was so major part of her DNA. So that when she had kids, she was very easy for her to say, well, this is my new job. Mm -hmm. For me, I had this really fun, cool, you know, exciting job that involved travel. And it's like, oh, now I'm just going to give that up and I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, that'll be good. Uh, maybe I'll do that. And it was – but but when I – when I think back to that, I don't know that I ever really said that out loud. Mm -hmm. It was maybe just somewhere in the back of my mind. And so 
when I had Tommy and we decided that, okay, I'm taking my four months off and then I'm going to get back to work. Sure, sure. I'm going to go back to work. And I kept thinking mm-hmm. it'll present itself when the time comes. I still lived in the moment, even the way I live in the moment now. I was a big live in the moment person. But when the four months was up, I it turned out that I was offered to do a freelance job first. And my boss said, you know, would you like to come back and do this, do this freelance shoot? It's in New York and yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I was like so excited in a way to get <laughs> out again and be able to find myself again. Mm-hmm. So I said, sure, it was a freelance job. I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And I just really never looked back after that. I know that that's what I was meant to be doing because I was so excited to be at work. I felt like I was myself again. And I also felt so excited to come home and be a mom. And so I never really questioned it after that. It was like a brief thing where I was like, no one is ever going to take care of this baby as well as I am kind of thing to, you know what, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're going to work it out. We, you know, of course we had like the most wonderful babysitter for 18 years or however many years she was with us. And so I'm grateful for that every single day, a whole episode should be dedicated to her. (laughs) But that was a big part of why I could do what I did and still maintain that lifestyle and still think I was like super mom, stay at home, making the cupcakes. I was PTA, PTO president for a period of time. I organized an after school program. This was all while doing the full time work of, you know, producing commercials Mm -hmm. because I was determined to do it all. Yeah. And I mean almost to the point of detriment to myself. And it's crazy because, you know, now I've worked on set as a PA with you and I think, and I think that's why I have so much, like, I don't even know, like, thinking about being a PA on those shoots and how fucking exhausting it is. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that you would, like, come home and then, like, play with us and, like, tuck us in and, like, do things on the weekend. Like, I worked on one shoot with you and I needed, like, another week to recover. I was like, <laughs> I need to just lay down. It is exhausting. I need to be horizontal for the next 72 hours. Do not ask me to do anything productive. Know. So thinking about that is, like, so impressive. But you're also the energizer bunny. You don't drink coffee <laughs> and you run on this raw, natural energy that I don't know why I didn't get any of that because I'm tired all the time. <laughs> so it might just be a little bit different. But... It's very impressive thinking about those shoots and then how the fact that you still came home and like. I did. I was so, but I was so excited to come home Mm -hmm. because then I was like, I got to do that role. And I, when, you know, when I was around you and if Sita would be like, our babysitter would be like, oh, I got Julie. I'd be like, no, no, I got Julie. (laughs) I mean, I was like so excited to be with my family Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of times you always hear women like, oh, I'm going to have like the girls weekend. You know, I feel sad because I was never like, yay, let's have a girls weekend. I was so excited to be with my own family on the weekend Mm -hmm. because my weeks were so full of, you know, all this other energy that was spent Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel the need to go unleash the girls weekend. That, That still is, you know, a thing that that was in my mind that I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was just so excited to be home and spend time with you guys. And what are we going to play? And we're going to play mm-hmm. store and we're going <laughs> to <laughs> all those fun memories. We, we did still play. We did still do a lot of things. And I always wanted to be there for bath time. I'm like, Nope, I will give them, I will give them baths. <laughs> so that was funny. like a big thing to me. You know, yeah. I don't want to miss bath time. I have to get home, you know, and this was tough because this was not the type of work where you could work with a cell phone and a, a laptop at home. I had to be in an office. This mm-hmm. was, you know, this was the 90s. 
and the 2000s and I had to be in an office. I yeah. remember one time crying on my you know, office floor. I was trying to put together Christmas calendars and I needed to go home because it was the holiday season and I wanted to take you to the mall to see Santa. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And I remember just like having a complete meltdown uh-huh. with these calendars on the floor. <laughs> I remember somebody helping me with the calendars too because I was putting together these photo calendars. Why? You know, I had to do it all. Yeah. So it's just, I think back to that and I'm like, I wish that I could have forgiven myself yeah. a little bit and been a little easier on myself. Yeah, I was going to say what, advice do you have for mom like working moms or even like you know when the day comes that I'm potentially a mother like Ugh. what advice would you give me because you know that I'm 100% set on still keeping my career and I need to do everything too yes. so what advice would you give that person so this is advice that I probably even if I went back probably wouldn't take which is <laughs> annoying because I know myself but it would be really to let certain things go mm-hmm. and not try to do Everything. Mm Because when you, when I look back, is it really important now that I, whatever, bake those cupcakes instead of, you know, maybe I should have just skipped that or thing. Or did I really have to take on organizing the whole enrichment program? Was that even important to you? No. Why did I take that on? But it was just like my own, um, trying to validate my own self as like, I can do what the other moms are doing. Mm -hmm. And I just... I'm annoyed at myself because I would probably go back and I'd probably still do the same damn thing, but I wish that I wouldn't. I also think it was like circumstances of living in a neighborhood where there were a lot of stay-at-home moms. If you were in a different environment, maybe it would have been a little bit different where maybe you didn't think you had to do it all because there were other, there were more people around you. Not to say there was no working moms in our neighborhood, but there weren't a a lot. Like, you know, a lot of my friends, we'd get picked up from school by the moms and not the babysitters. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Separate episode for that one. <laughs> you worked and you were a mom and you worked at this company. And then when, you know, you started your own company. Yes. So let's talk about how not only did you juggle being a mom to three kids and still working in the city and doing your doing your thing, you decided to leave that job and start a new company mm-hmm. with a partner. So what was the decision to start your own company? Like, what was the spark? And okay. Like, what was, I guess, the tipping point? Okay, so let's just talk about the a little bit of an evolution. The company where I was doing a lot of travel, I had to finally leave that job because I couldn't mm-hmm. do the traveling. So then I had moved on. And I always think my year is in, like, these 10-year stretches. Like, maybe the first one was eight years, the next. So I was with a company that I was doing more New York shoots, and I was really kind of running the show for them, running the de- production department, producing the jobs. And oh, <laughs> it's sad to say, but 9-11 triggered the first kind of pivot in my career because mm-hmm. after 9-11, uh, what, the client that my smaller company now had been had all their eggs in, they went and with another agency. So we basically lost a major account and we knew we were all going to be out of work pretty shortly out thereafter. So knowing that, um, a creative director that I've been working with a lot at the time and I just had a little powwow and decided, you know, we can maybe get a client, maybe we can have a company and he had kind of an idea for the name of it. And then next thing you know, I I leveraged relationships that I had made and, and ended up getting us a client and we started our own company and we were together in that business for 10 years. And it was a really solid 10 years 
of working in the toy production industry where we did toy commercials. I, we went from being an advertising agency where he did the creative ideas and I did the producing to him becoming a director and me supporting him as a director and getting him, you know, we did the production side of it, more of the nuts and bolts and the crew mm-hmm. and, and such. And so during that 10 year stretch, we were heavy in the toy industry. And that was now almost like the second decade for me of being in toy production. And I was ready to evolve into like other areas of production. And he really enjoyed the toy business. So we had made a mutual decision after a period of maybe eight to 10, between eight and 10 years to part ways. Mm -hmm. And I took off with my own production company. So another company. Another company. (laughs) Round two. And it was, it was interesting because I left behind basically my director and in all the years that I worked as a producer people would say don't you want to direct one day and I would always say no I'm not the director type and Mm -hmm. it annoys me now that I thought that of myself Mm -hmm. I put that myself in that box of like I'm the organizer you know women tend to be producers more than men at that time you know now it's more equal but at the time, women were the producers and men were the directors, mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, then you'd have a few women up-and-coming directors coming into play. So I never thought of myself as, quote, creative enough to be a director. And this annoys the shit out of me right now that I could that I used to think that of myself. Mm-hmm. But it's the truth. I mean, I did think that, think that way. So once I decided to part ways, I realized, well, now I don't... I have a company and I don't have a director. And so I need to direct. And it was like almost just by default, I had to dive into that deep end of the pool Mm -hmm. and figure out how I'm going to do it. So with this new company, Mm -hmm. how did you come up with the name? (laughs) So I'm going to credit former people that I worked with that when I was in my office on the phone with the babysitter explaining to her what to make for dinner or doing, you know, kind of mom tasks on the phone and they would come in, my former boss would come in and then, and then my business partner would come in and they were always, they always called me the mothership. They're like, what are you up to mothership? Cause I knew that I was doing mom things on the phone. <laughs> so that is how the name kind of stuck with me. And then when I needed to come up with a name for my company, I go, well, I guess I am the mothership now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just went with it. And I couldn't get a, uh, with an O when I went to apply for the business. So I said, well, make it a U and see if it'll go through. And that's how I, that's how come I'm mothership with a U. <laughs> and that's your whole brand now. My whole brand. <laughs> Who knew where that was going to go? When you were little, you know what you used to say? Mothership is a great name because it'll work with if you ever wanted to have a bakery or a bar or a bed and breakfast. You said that that name could encompass anything I ever wanted to do. Do you remember saying that to no, me? No, but yeah. wow, how insightful am I? <laughs> yeah, you were a teenager at the time, and you said, that's a really great name because, and that's what you told me. Wow. Yes. Go me. Go you. Okay. <laughs> well, the mothership has come so far, mm-hmm. and you have not only do production, you do directing, and maybe because we didn't touch on this earlier, and for people who might not know, can you describe kind of in depth, not like super in depth, but you know, within reason, Mm -hmm. what exactly a producer does and what exactly a director does. Yes. And I can do it probably quickly, I think. So producer basically is responsible as an, it's another word for organizer. You're pulling together and this is in an advertising and a production role in films. A lot of times the producer is funding the film, Mm -hmm. but in the, at the level of production that I was working, it's really like you're the organizer, you're the coordinator, you're pulling together, you're working with a writer, an art director, a a whole creative team. And then you're bringing in a production team that's going to then have the vision for what those creative people came up with. So the producer is really the organizer doing the meetings, making sure that the right players are involved. You're picking, if we want, you know, like sweet music, we're picking people that are really good at doing sweet music, et cetera. So 
that's what a producer does. The director is more responsible for the in, the creative vision of mm-hmm. a project. So you're given a project, and so how do you see creating it from what the creative people have in mind with the concept to making it a reality? So it's picking the right people to be in the, in the job, uh, working with set designers to create a set design. It's more involved with the creative side of it. And that's why I thought I was never right to be a director. I didn't think I was creative Mm -hmm. enough. But I think you are because, kind of leading into my next question, you always find such wonderful people to work with. And I feel like that's part of your almost producer. It's a secret sauce. (laughs) Your secret sauce. That's like your secret weapon almost is relationships and people and Mm -hmm. connecting with people. And even now with your TikTok. But you found such Mm -hmm. wonderful people who have... I mean, you've worked with the same crew people since I was in yeah. middle school and high school who I know and feel like they're. you're texting me about someone. You're like, oh, I'm going to go help so-and-so. And then you said in parentheses, he's one of my crew guys. I'm like, I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been around forever. He's but, been around since well, I've been in middle context, school. I wasn't sure you'd know who I was talking about. But I know. <laughs> so I think that just is like a testament to you are creative because you can kind of creatively pull people together and that's yes. a skill and that's creative. That's a creative skill for sure. So I, lo- I love to see the strengths in other people and mm-hmm. then really valuing their strengths. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I want to then most directors back in the day, they have the scarf they're whipping around yeah. and they're like so <laughs> cool and they're running the show and they want to, I kind of control everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I prefer to say, Oh, this person's really good at this. Let me lean on them for that. decision. Mm -hmm. This person's really good at this. I like to find people that I value their creativity and value what their strengths are and lean on their strengths because that's number one going to add value to them. I want their opinion. Like you're, you're a really good set designer. You're much better at it than me. What do you think we should do about the curtains and the the thing here? Mm -hmm. How should we make? (laughs) So I don't like to, um, I I don't like to tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. I really, really like to collaborate. I know that sounds cliche, but I, truly like to collaborate. I love when everybody feels a part of it. I know I would run something to FedEx just as quickly as the PA would run something to FedEx. And I think because the PAs know that, they um, want to work with me because mm-hmm. I'm not looking down at them. I take time to find out what the, what all the people on the crew are like, well, oh, so what do you what have you done before this? And what are you doing working on next? I'm, I take an interest and I truly... Mm-hmm. I truly have an interest, not because I'm faking an interest. Mm -hmm. I really care. Yeah. And I want everybody to feel valued and I want everybody to feel like they're being, I want them to feel compensated correctly. One of the things that I feel was frustrating to me in working for other companies and other bosses is never feeling compensated correctly. And one time I remember even, I can say this now, but getting a Christmas bonus that was so unfair and so low for the amount of work I put in. And I thought, this is just an mm-hmm. insult. Yeah. And I will never do this to anyone. I will never take advantage of someone like that. And no. So I can almost get emotional thinking mm-hmm. about that because it had such great impact on me. Yeah. So I t- almost to a fault overappreciate. I overcompensate because I want people to feel so important. I just want them to know. Crew is so loyal to you too because they know you're not going to flip a switch and then, you know. No. No. Even when something goes wrong. I mean, we've no. had things where files were accidentally deleted. I remember off that. Hard I was on that you were set. There. And that was stressful. And I had to go and And you tell- were so calm. And it was like a master class in like being a boss because you just like, yeah. you kept it together so well. You didn't explode on anybody. You didn't no, I would never rip anybody that. in public. You didn't do anything that, you know, 
someone else no. would have done if they had lost that footage. No, I would not. I would not do that to someone because I, I would. Sometimes the empathy part of it comes into play. Yeah. Like, what if that was me? I obviously this guy did not accident purposely. Let's go delete this footage so that I look like an idiot and everybody else is like in trouble. No, it was an accident. You mm -hmm. know, just like things happen. So, I really like to think when I hear something like that happens, and my, one of my former bosses even said it. No matter what I'm told, I always go, "Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how I always start." Okay, so what are we going to do? Like, I don't ever go. Bleh! That mm -hmm. wouldn't even come into my mind yeah. as a reaction. That's just not who I am. Yeah. So we can wrap up. I have just one or two questions okay. left. But what was or what has been your favorite mothership Ooh. project that you've worked on? I should have given this more thought. But um, hmm. all right. So I'm going to go with something more recent because um, – <clears throat> I could go back into my career and say, what of my favorite production ever? You know, go mm -hmm. back to like when I worked with music people in the music industry and I loved it. Mm -hmm. But because we're talking mothership, I'm going to go a little more recent. And what I really have enjoyed, it's just really odd because I'm not a football person, but mm -hmm. recently getting to work with some of the NFL greats, like interview some legends in the NFL. And I don't know a lot about football. I just know it peripherally from <laughs> being around family who likes sports. But being able to go and you know, go to Dick Butkus's house and interview in him in his kitchen and then be able to meet Franco Harris. He was a legend and, you know, he's not with us any longer. So just having the opportunity to meet people that have made an impact in different ways and just be able to have a conversation with them, learn more about, you know, what their career was. I love diving in and I, and I just think that project was so much fun because mm -hmm. I got to meet some greats on a very personal level with a very small crew, literally a cameraman and myself in, mm -hmm. in their homes. And it was compared to all these big productions I've done. It was probably one of my favorite, my favorites. Nice. All right. Last question. Okay. What advice would you give those who want to pursue a career in TV or film production? My biggest piece of advice is that whatever you're doing, whatever role you take to get your trajectory started into where you want to go, take that role with seriousness and do the best fucking job <laughs> at it. Be the best at it because people will recognize that and they will give you the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you're like, oh, I don't really want to do that because it's just too menial or it's just a small job or if this one really doesn't matter. So I'm just going to do like an eh job at it uh, there. You don't know who's watching and you don't know who you're having an impression on. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, whatever you're doing, if you do it, if you're the best at it and you're doing it with passion, it will get noticed and the right thing will happen. Amazing. Yours truly. Helen and Julie. Is that it? I think that's <laughs> it. Don't forget to follow us on our channel. So I am at the mothership with you on TikTok. Julie is at truly Julie without an E. So it's T R U L Y J U L I. And together we are hellosocialize.com, working to bring you all the teachings, the trends, the creative forecasts weekly to share with you so that you can make your content journey easier. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace out.